Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in our country's armed forces. On this series, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and experiences. We'll talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector and we'll discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton here with you on Veteran Voices. Thanks for tuning in today. So today's show, we have got a great opportunity to talk with a veteran and business leader that is doing extraordinary things, especially serving and giving back to our veteran community. So stay tuned for that as we learn a lot more. Uh, hey, on a quick programming note, if you enjoyed today's podcast conversation, which my hunch is you will, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Simply search for Veteran Voices, and uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. All right, with no further ado, let's bring in our featured guest here today, Brian Arrington, founder and president of Vets2 Industry. Brian, how you doing? Doing well. Doing wonderful, Scott. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm always wonderful, though, even when I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, Brian, I've admired you. We, we've been connected on social media. You're a tough business leader, servant leader, veteran leader to keep up with, but uh, really admire what you do to help so many more, so many veterans in giving back. Uh, it's amazing to hear about some of your events and your, your massive volunteer staff. So we're going to dive into all that here today. And uh, I think you're going to share also some some uh, interesting memories and some humorous memories uh, with our audience. So let's yeah. dive right in. What you say? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I'd like to kind of introduce myself a little bit. So uh, Brian Arrington, I actually retired from the Air Force 1 July 2019. Okay. And if you're doing math right now, uh, that's a year and one month out of the service. Mm. So now you're all thinking, why should I even listen to this guy? He's been out for a year. What the heck does he know about anything? Great point. So let me talk to you about my transition story a little bit. I like how you bring your own questions to the interview. That, that You're very efficient. Yeah, of course, because people are like, why am I even listening to this guy? He's been out for a year. What does he know? Yep. I transitioned from the Air Force. It, if you look at my transition uh, process, it was really about a year prior to that date, 1 July. Uh, I found LinkedIn by accident. So I'm going to take you back to March 2018. So I was a 19-year senior non-commissioned officer in the Air Force, uh, E-7, and I found LinkedIn, I was laying late at night watching TV, and this commercial came up, joined 550 million of us. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I thought it looked like a job board or something. I couldn't really figure it out. So I download the app, I go to sleep. Next day, I get home from work, and I pop it open and fiddle around with it, and I type in veteran in the group section. Now, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, right? But the Veteran Mentor Network popped up. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Veteran Mentor Network, go ahead and, and get into this group now. And I'm going to tell you something. It had 130,000 veterans in that group when I applied to enter it. It now has over 139,000 veterans in that group. And as soon as I applied to enter, Tom Cal, who is the founder of that group, immediately messaged me and said, hey, uh, I see that you're a transitioning service member. 
uh, and you're joining our group. I said, how can you possibly know that? Like, and he's like, well, because you have nothing on your profile <laughs> and you're trying to join this veteran group. And I say, oh, you are very good at deduction. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I did my little, you know, intro of you know, who I am, what I wanted to do, or what I thought I might want to do. I didn't really know. The only thing I knew I didn't want to do was uh, be a, a cop because I had been a military police officer for 20 years, one month, and 12 days. And yes, that one month and 12 days means something. So when people say, you know, you've been, oh, so you are in the military for 20 years. I said, no, 20 years, one month, and 12 days. <laughs> because if I could have gotten out at 20 years, I would have gotten out at 20 years. But I had to do another month and 12 days. Yep. It's, so, like, it's like payback. Do you remember that movie with yeah. Mel Gibson and payback? Yeah. And he was collecting, four, I'm going to get it a little bit off, but four hundred or $4,372. And as yep. he had to go through all those guys and gals, they wanted to give him a million and then five million. And he kept saying, I only want my $4,372. You know, what a great movie. But you want to be, uh, make sure we get it right. 20, yeah. uh, 20 years, one month, and 12 days. 12 days. Absolutely. Right. So you'll never forget that now. That's right. <laughs> so um, I, I put up my little introduction, and within 30 seconds, I, I kid you not, I had a cold email from a guy by the name of Kenya Spratt. Uh, now he's, he goes by Kenny, Kenny Spratt online. So now, sorry, Kenny, you're going to get a ton of uh, emails. <laughs> but I didn't even know what an email was. I had no clue. I was like, what is it, AOL dial-up? You got mail? Like, what, what is this thing? So I check it out, and he says, hey, brother, I see that you're retiring in a year from now. I'm also retiring in a year. I got you by a couple of months, but are you going to CMA tomorrow near Fort Benning? I'm an Army E-7 Ranger out of Fort Benning, Georgia. And so I'm like, what's CMA? So I hit accept and I ran him back. I said, hey, brothers, it's cool that you're going through this transition too. Maybe we can do this together. What's CMA? And he responds back, Centurion Military Alliance. I say, yet another okay. veteran service organization, right? Exactly. But I don't know at the time. And nor did I know that word. So I said, what, what is, what is, Centurion Military Line, and he said, it's a VSO. I said, Kenya, if you don't stop with these Army acronyms and tell me what the heck this means. I'm Air Force. I don't, I don't speak your language. <laughs> and he starts laughing, and he said, let me call you. I'm like, okay. I give him my number. He calls me up, and he's laughing. He's cracking up. It's like, yo, man, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an Army acronym. It stands for Veteran Service Organization. I said, Kenya. I don't know what that means, man. I feel like we're playing Lauren Hardy, who's on first routine right now. You know, like what's on second? I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, what's a veteran service organization? And he says, it provides free resources and support benefits to us and our family members during transitioning and after. Uh, and there's tons of them. I said, how have I never heard about this? Here I am, a 19-year senior non-commissioned officer. We're supposed to know everything about anything uh, or know where to find it. We're the guys, the mentors, the coaches for the junior enlisted and the junior officers, the teaching commanders. We're the strategic advisors of the commanders. We're you know, the pulse of the enlisted force. We're the top 10%. And how have I never heard of this before? So he said, hey, well, can you go to CMA tomorrow? And I said, man, I'm a senior NCO. Of course I can go. I can go where I want to. And he said, we got to wear business casual. I said, okay, no problem. So there was two things I had to Google after that phone call because I wasn't <laughs> telling this E7 
this other E7 again that I didn't know something because I had already told him too many times on the phone that I didn't know something. I had to Google where Fort Benning was because I was Air Force. I had no idea Army right. bases were. Yep. <laughs> and I had to Google what business casual was because I had no clue. I found out, you know, it's, it's a suit without your jacket and with or without a tie. It's like, why did they just say that? <laughs> I'm thinking business casual is like, you know, sandals on the beach and rolled up, you know, khakis and, you know, I, I don't know. We haven't have to wear that. So the next day, I find out where Fort Benning is, and it's two and a half hours away. I was stationed at Warner Robins Air Force Base. Beautiful Columbus, Georgia, right? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, so it's like Macon. There's a little bit, a little bit north. It's Warner Robins, Georgia. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about Fort, I'm sorry, Fort Benning in yeah, yeah. beautiful Columbus, Georgia. Well, I, I wouldn't know. I didn't get a lot to see there. Uh-oh. Or I'm getting ahead of the story. My bad. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, you are. But it's okay. Uh, so I get there. Um, I leave at 3.30 in the morning. I get into the only suit that I have from Korea. And I'm hoping to gosh that I fit in it because it was from like eight years earlier when I was flying raving this <laughs> right. um, I, I get into it. Uh, I don't have to wear the suit jacket. I was thank, thank goodness I didn't have to wear that. I get down there. And in the first 30 minutes, I'm sitting in class. And I hear, I'm sitting in the front row with Kenya, and they say there's over 40,000 veteran service organizations nationwide that provide free resources and support for us and our family members. And I get peed off. I am furious. I'm looking around the room like, Kenya, do you know this? Do you know? What the heck? And I just stop. Mm. And I start thinking back to 2002. In 2002, I put on E5 in the Air Force as staff sergeant, that's yep. our first supervisory rank, and all of the airmen that I had let get out of the military since 2002 to that date, 2018, and hadn't set them up for success on the outside due to my, my own ignorance on all the free resources that were out there available for them. And then I started thinking about all of the airmen and how many of them have become part of the 22 who killed themselves the day since then or unemployed, or underemployed, or on substance abuse, or divorced, or homeless, or incarcerated, all because Brian Arrington, Sergeant Arrington, didn't set them up for success on the outside, didn't give them that one extra piece of hope that could have saved their lives. And still to this day, I have no idea how many of them, you know, statistically, there's got to be tons of them that have been affected by some of those things. And I felt so guilty just sitting in that seat. And that was the first 30 minutes of this class, you know? And so I, I went home and something that everybody needs to understand about me, about Brian Arrington, is I'm a very research driven individual, very analytical. I had at the time two associate's degrees, a bachelor's degree in history, a graduate certificate in Homeland Security, a master's degree in management, and I was concurrently working on an MBA in marketing and an MS in business analytics. Uh, and so with all that, along with the fact that I was an E7, the fact that I didn't know about these veteran service organizations was just, it was asinine to me. I had to know about this. I was mad at the Department of Defense, the DOD, for not telling me about this. I was upset at the veteran service organizations, not understanding why they couldn't come on base and tell us about it at the time. And then I was also upset at every single senior non-commissioned officer who had not come back on base because I know they had ID cards and, t and tell me that these resources existed. And fair or unfair, but that's, that was my mindset at the time. I've learned a lot since then, uh, but 
that was my mindset at the time. So did so you? Go, so let me ask you right quick. At that point in time, did you, as you were talking with other maybe veterans and and, and senior veterans and enlisted uh, and officer for that matter, because they they all give feedback to folks that they um, advise mentor and whatnot did you talk to any of your your peers that that may had that so that was uh that would have been uh, just march 2018 yeah did, did you talk to other officers and enlisted that had that same gap uh and, and y'all could kind of share in the in the, the the emotion of the the epiphany i was screaming it from the net mountaintops i was like i i became the retention officer, if you will, making sure everybody knew everything about all these free resources. Um, mm. But when I got when I got home, though, I said, "There's got to be a place where all this stuff is located." So I'm doing research on veteran uh, service organizations, military support, transitioning assistance, and I can't find a single site repository where all the free resources were co-located for veterans, uh, military spouses, and dependent age children it's taking about eight months right and i'm on linkedin and i'm learning from the greats i'm learning from daniel savage i'm learning from corey boatwright i'm learning from eric schlachter i'm learning from shante hall i'm learning from justin pearson i'm learning from michael quinn i'm learning from herb thompson i'm like i'm getting the creme de la creme of the transition and, and how to transition and i'm paying that forward I'm, I'm giving that information out i'm putting out content and i get to my school, my school starts in uh, September, and um, starting with Syracuse University. And I get in the class, and it's uh, our orientation track. And my professor says, "Hey, um, you all are gonna have to do a capstone in two years, and you have to build a business." And I'm like, "I didn't go to get my MBA to build a business. Like, I want to learn like about business, like you know, working for somebody in a business." But it's what we had to do. And I was like, "What am I gonna pick for a business?" So I thought you know what, I'm going to build the Library of Atlantis for veterans, military spouses, and dependent children. I'm like, why wait two years? I'll just do it well, tonight. All right, so let me ask you, Brian, yeah. uh, because when Fred Smith was, I can't remember where he went undergrad, but he had the idea and a business model to some degree of FedEx, and I think he got a C, a greatest C. I think he was C minus on the paper. So clearly the professor he shared that with did not, see his vision when when you shared your vision at that moment at i think at, at syracuse was it met with positive reception or did he have a lot of doubters i didn't tell anybody yet because i didn't have to it was just something something we had to start thinking about and they said we were going to have to um, do it we had we had to agree in a group we had to pick three other of our classmates you know out of like you know, it was like 1500 of us in a, in a class right for our mba program and we would have to pick three classmates during this two-year period to work with. And I said, I'm just going to convince them to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> that was my mindset. That was, that was the veteran mindset, right? They were going to, they were going to pick what I, what I want. I was going to convince them to do it. Right. So, so I'm like, why wait two years? I'm just going to build this tonight. So Scott, I go home, I get in front of my computer and you know what happens? I, I, I don't know. I realize, and I forget that I don't know how to build a website. Ah, uh, okay. First yeah. obstacle. But yeah, I, I've got a feeling you're going to break right through it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm thinking, okay, I'm working on my second and third master's degree, fifth and sixth degree. Overall, I, I can figure this out. So I, I find Wix. And I'm like, okay, this thing says you don't need to know anything and you could build it. I'm like, okay, I don't know anything, so I'm going to build it. 
I, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm listening to the instructions, right? Uh, and I'm spending three hours on the first intro uh, screen. I'm like, I don't think I can build the, mm. the, the city of Atlantis, the library of Atlantis on this. So I'm like, ah, I got two years. <laughs> so it went from in 12, 12 hours, it went from I'm building this beautiful thing to ah, I got two years of work. Talk about procrastination. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I put it on, on, the, on the background. Now I'm going to take you to December. Okay. And, and this is December 2018. 18. Yep. So uh, December 2018, and I'm, I'm in my uh, second tabs class. I, I actually talked my way into the executive tab class, but that's another, another part of the story. <laughs> uh, so I'm sitting in tab class, and I ended up doing a post because um, an individual reached out to me. Uh, his name is Chris Dove. Uh, for those of you who don't know Chris Dove, uh, make sure you're following him. He is amazing individual. Uh, he was just getting ready to start working at Orion Talent back then. And he reached out to me and said, hey, Brian, I see that you're posting a lot of content on there for a lot of transition service members. And remember, I hadn't transitioned yet. I was still in the military. I was still active duty. And he said, I have access to 700 jobs in about a week, um, but I don't have any transitioning service members in my network. Uh, I'm a Navy, he's a Navy nuke guy, but he just didn't have anyone in his network. He's like, can you help me out? I was like, oh yeah, brother, I got you. And I was like, I was so happy. I was so pumped. I had just hit, uh, you know, 500 connections on LinkedIn. So I'm like, I'm thinking I'm the, the big, big daddy, you know, <laughs> my New York flag going on. I'm like, yeah, look at this. You know, I was like, yeah, I got somebody asking me for help. Like, <laughs> and not realizing people have like 30,000 connections because all they tell you is hit that 500 mark. And I just hit it. So I'm like, yeah, I got everybody, right? So maybe one little post. And this one little post uh, says, veterans, career opportunities. Post below your desired career role, geographic location, and uh, when you can start working. And my friend Chris Dove will help you find a job anywhere in the United States. <laughs> That's how ignorant I was back then mm. for you know, career help. Mm. And that post went viral. And when I say viral, remember, I, I only had like 500 and something connections. Um, in one week, we had 224,000 views on that one post. Wow. In four weeks, 654,000 views on that post. We had 1,400 comments. It was crazy. So and let me let me ask you a question. Undoubtedly, your network and your passion to help and, and that factored in, but that do you feel that that level of activity and the views really speaks to the demand of, and the need of assistance and trying to help finding a job and and you name it? Yeah, because uh, it, it it wasn't just that, but it was the the comments that were made in there. Because mm. we had veteran, uh, we had transitioning service members, we had military spouses, we had veteran advocates, we had recruiters, everybody posting in there. Uh, and what I found was. You know, people are looking for jobs, people were looking for life needs, all sorts of things. And we were, I was basically getting people jobs while still on active duty by connecting mm. people. That's great. I, I became like a, a master connector while I was still, still in. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know any of these people. <laughs> and um, the veteran advocates started coming and said, hey, have you used IVMF yet? Have you used 4Block? Have you used Bumper Labs? Have you used Higher Heroes Corporate Fellowship Program or Higher Heroes USA? Uh, or Warrior Rising, and or Centurion Military Alliance, DOD Skillbridge, and all these people kept saying, "What's that? I don't know what that is." 
And then it took me back to March 2018, eight months. I said, these, these people are me eight months ago when, I, when Kenya Spratt reached out to me and said, hey, are you going to CMA tomorrow? Right. I said, these people are me. And then I said, these people can't wait two years for Brian to figure out how to build a website. They need these resources now. They're going to become part of the 22 who kill themselves a day tomorrow. So uh, after seeing that post in, in this in December, like the very next day, I went online and I started looking on LinkedIn for Air Force uh, who had uh, any web design background. You know, I did the, the LinkedIn searches and I found one individual. I sent her a message. Her name is Bobby Young. And she actually runs her own web design business on the side, Inspired Growth Portal. And she took on she took on one pro bono case a, a quarter, and she she fell in love with what I wanted to do. And she says, not only will I take you on, but I'm going to take you on as my permanent pro bono. And wow! Built the Vets Industry website um, for free. Uh, and she's probably put about fifty to seventy thousand dollars worth of work in that website in these two years or a year and a half. I gave her seventy-two resources, so kind of like Jeff Bezos starting, you know, with with the books and stuff, like you said, you know, <laughs> uh, doing all that work and stuff. I started by curating and vetting seventy-two resources and giving it to her, and then she started doing her techie thing and made them made them work. Yeah, since then, uh, on the website we had. We've had 700, we have about 700 resources now every month. We update it and curate it with more free resources that we find them and, and vet them. Uh, it, we have a community library on there so people can actually go on the website and the find resources now tab, they can go and if they find that we don't have a resource somewhere in the United States, they can actually input that resource into a text box which goes to my resource team and after they bet it, make sure it's good to go, it will be included in our next update. So it's literally the whole community is building this library for each other, uh, which is really beautiful. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. So um, some of the metrics, I just want to tell them about some of the metrics. Like, well, okay, it's a library, big deal. What we wanted to do with this is create a single site, a, a, a one-stop shop, so that you no longer have to go searching for something you don't even know exists. Mm. So if you go to Best Industry, you know you're going to find a library and you're not going to have to type in um, therapy animal. You know, you, you don't even know that that exists as a resource. Active duty members can get a free pre-TSD service animal with multiple, multiple uh, organizations around the United States where they can train your own animal to do it. Uh, you know, people don't know about these. Uh, military spouses can get a free year of LinkedIn premium on uh, every PCS. People don't know about this. So you wouldn't even Google um, free year of LinkedIn premium for my spouse. Like that wouldn't be something you think about. But you go to like Best Industry, you can learn about all these things that are available for your benefits and we give you directions to the like needs. So I like that element where it is there at your fingertips rather than hours and hours of searching. Oftentimes, what do you, you're not even sure what you're looking for, but I also really like how your team vets it before you add it to the library so that, you know, there, there's a, there's some sort of, of rubber stamp that, Hey, this is, this has been looked at. We've investigated a bit. We've done our due diligence and this is, this is legit. So that, that brings a lot of peace of mind, especially given not just, a, I mean, it's a great thing that there's 40, 
plus thousand VSOs out there, right? However, beyond that, we also know there's there's thousands of companies that have different language that they, they add in the veteran word and there's a lot of ambiguity. And before you know it, folks are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and the veterans that just are looking for help, they're the ones that get lost in the shuffle. So I, I really love that element of vets to industry. Yeah. And uh, another thing, uh, so right now, we started with a very small volunteer force that was helping me um, during the, the career fair, right? So we turned it into a virtual career fair that, that posed. We could only manage it for about three months. Um, <laughs> we were case managing 300 veterans at the same time. Remember, we were all doing this. It's all volunteer. Right. And we had the Excel sheet of prioritizing, you know, um, you know homeless veterans with a family. Uh, homeless veterans uh, without a family, you know, just going down the, the list. And I want to ask you about that because, yeah. you know, going back to some of the frustration you felt um, early as you were uncovering, you know, VSOs and, and, uh, and now kind of fast forward to seeing a list and veterans with families that are homeless. I mean, that really, that, that for me, through some of our service work and, and, and hearing some of those stories and seeing those, some of those situations and that there's just not enough help or other reasons, that is just such a punch to the gut. How do you, how do you separate that emotional aspect to, to you know, processing data, getting stuff done and, and continuing to expand? Said it and separate it. Yeah, said that, that's fair. I'm working on it. Actually, I'm working on one right now. We've been doing it for the last three days. Matter of fact, I'm working, uh, Best industry got tagged in a post three mm. days ago. There's a Marine in Kennesaw, Georgia right now who uh, is in an extended stay, um, was about to get a, um, you know, we didn't have the money yesterday to pay uh, for, for more. And so, um, you know, me and a couple of the other volunteers at Best Industry coughed up uh, $350 so they could stay another week. And we're working on getting them in employment uh, for the father because he lost employment due to COVID uh, and he got out in 94. Also his benefits, uh, you know, he he's, doesn't have any disability benefits. He's tried three times and got denied. So I hooked him up with Andrew Vernon and Associates, which is another partner organization of Vesta Industry that helps with the uh, benefit cases all the way up to Capitol Hill. Uh, so and we're working on getting him a permanent place to stay. Uh, with multiple different organizations here in, in Georgia, but he was having a, a lot of trouble, and so we're still we're still not out of out of the the running for trying to get him help. So I mean, if you're out there and you got some help for him in the Atlanta area, um, please reach out to to me, and I'll give you that information later. But Brian, there's got to be you know we had a family member serve in healthcare, and for a portion of her career, she was in the ER, and it was very difficult for her to maintain some sense of uh, emotional independence and not get too tied to patients that are in tough sets and circumstances. And you can, and, you know, you can never do enough despite all you're doing, you know, so that, that's what I'm most curious about. I, I, obviously you're emotionally invested. And that's, that's what I admire about you. There's a ton of passion that seems to drive the, the action and, and the real help. Do you ever get to a point where you've got to kind of keep moving and, and... Yeah, I know what you're saying, but you're asking the guy who asked his wife the day, the night that I found this guy, if we can bring him, his wife, and his three daughters into our home mm. um, to stay in our, our spare bedroom and you know put two of our kids together in a room so his 16-year-old, 15-year-old, and 7-year-old can stay in the house. And the only reason why we didn't was because of COVID. Our seven-year-old has a heart condition. 
So you, I haven't separated that yet. So I'm probably not the best person to ask. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I literally wanted to, to bring him home, mm. <laughs> him and his family home with him. I, I know you can agree, and, and it's, it is such a uh, – for as much positivity as your story brings, it's disheartening that we still have all this heavy lifting, these folks that we're just – we're not – the system and all its departments and the programs, you name it, still leaves folks um, without means uh, and without a home and stuff. And that – so I admire the heavy lifting you're doing. So let Vets to Industry – You've spoken a little bit in terms of the founding. You've talked a little bit about what it does. Before we talk about what's next, anything else that we that you want to add to in terms of what it's doing today? Yeah, there's three main things that Vest Industry accomplishes uh, and accomplishes in different ways. So first is the resource library. That's you know first and foremost is, is information. That is what we do. We're information library of free resources. You don't have to sign in. There's no login. It's free information out there for you. We have 134 volunteers that will help guide and mentor you. So if you go on the website or you send an email to support at vestaindustry.com um, and tell us you know, that you're ETSing soon or things of that nature, you'll actually get somebody to help guide you to the right resources and actually get support, and we stay with you for life. So if you're you know, six months out of the military and you're in a job and you're not feeling it because of something, it's probably corporate culture that didn't match up your values with really well, you know, we, we help you through all that. Mm. The other thing is we host these networking events that are just phenomenal. And I'm, I am biased, but they are still phenomenal. <laughs> and they're called the Vets to Industry Virtual Networking Circuit Events. Okay. And what this is, uh, it brings together recruiters, hiring managers, business leaders, business professionals with veterans currently serving active Guard and Reservists, their spouses, along with uh, Blue Star and Gold Star family members, dependent children, all and veteran advocates and veteran service organizations, all in one place where they can learn and get together and talk about different opportunities that are out there. Um, we have businesses that, that really get business connections, and, and it's amazing some of the things that get paired up in these meetups every three weeks. The, the next event is actually September 12th, which I'll cover a little bit later on in this. Okay. Um, there's a special coming. Really want to go. The third and last thing that we offer right now is webinars, uh, education webinars that we host with companies to talk about uh, things like resume writing and interviewing techniques, corporate culture and corporate language versus military language, financial literacy and financial planning. Uh, we can do things like dress for success or uh, any, anything that vital and needed uh, we can cover. And we work with a lot of different organizations to, to do that and pass that information on. Love that. Okay. So current state, I think we've got identified, and I can only imagine what you have up your sleeve uh, for what's next. So it really, I mean, what an engine and what a incredible engine built to serve and inform you have today. What's next for Vets to Industry? So I'm going to give a teaser because I don't want to give it all out. And, and you, you will find out a lot of this uh, on our, um, when you come to our networking events. So that's, my, that's a little piece for that. But we, ha we have a newsletter that just started uh, August 1st. So if you sign up on our website for the newsletter, a lot of the announcements that you're going to hear are going to come on there. When you go to the website and you see uh, Find Resources Now tab, there's a map. It's a map 
of not just the United States, but the map of the world. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. That, all right. That's a good teaser. That's a great teaser. Um, all right. So let's, let's shift gears a bit. So we've kind of talked about the program behind and the engine behind and, and the why behind Vets to Industry. But let's talk about some of these, this army of volunteers of passionate volunteers that help make it happen. So, so I know it's tough to pick. I know you, I think you've got 134 folks that help out, which is impressive. And it's tough to call out just a couple, but who, who are some of the folks that really here lately, maybe that are really making it happen? So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely drop the names of my leadership team. Um, they day to day killing it. Um, so in my HR section, gotta call out Carmen White. She's phenomenal. Uh, she knows resumes inside and out. Uh, sorry, Carmen. <laughs> uh, my research team, Donald Bourne, he's phenomenal. Um, he's the reason why you have 700 resources that are vetted and clear, and, and he's just a phenomenal individual. Him and his wife both volunteer for Vets Industry, Joan Bourne. Uh, then you have Lawrence Wild. Uh, I actually want to shout out of quite a few of the operations team we have because they're the first contact with the veterans and the military spouses that reach out to us. Remember, we care for the whole military community, not just the veterans themselves. And uh, so Lawrence Wild, uh, it's W-I-L-D-E, Alex Mims, uh, who is actually a currently serving service member at uh, Shepherd Air Force Base. Uh, he's an amazing individual. He does Wichita that. Falls, Texas. Shepherd, that's where I went to tech school. There you go. Uh, in Academy uh, uh, instructor. He's a he what? Even, he's an NCO Academy instructor. So he's a PME instructor. Gotcha. He doesn't even retire for nine years, and he's <laughs> on the best industry team. Phenomenal with LinkedIn branding. He's the guy I send everyone to for uh, LinkedIn branding. Uh, Sheila Jones, who's our head uh, for interviews, uh, she's just an amazing executive director with the uh, culinary industry. Then I have a phenomenal team of marketers uh, led by Charles Butler, a uh, phenomenal uh, individual. And then uh, we have Rob Bounsgard, who's also our editor uh, for the newsletter and also in charge of our logistics. So you can see the swag I'm wearing now. If you all see that, this is a, the new, the new, new that just came out uh, this week. Uh, it's uh, OD Green, Best Industry uh, shirts. Um, we're getting the hats in soon, so I, I might be rocking the hat. I was hoping it was coming today. I was going to be wearing the hat uh, tomorrow for the uh, event, but we'll see. Uh, we have our coins coming in soon as well. Those are going to be on sale, uh, and there's going to be a special prize on the September 12th for some people with uh, those coins. Some people are going to be leaving with them on the 12th. Let's just say that. Uh, and then I have my organizational development team. Uh, it's really awesome at doing process uh, efficiencies. They don't like to be called out, though, so I'm not going to say the names. And my tech support, uh, Bobby Young with Inspired Growth Portal. Uh, if you need a website built, I'm telling you, just look at our website. Mm -hmm. Don't go anywhere else than Bobby Young. Uh, she's just phenomenal. It's B-O-B-B-I-Y-O-U-N-G with Inspired Growth Portal. Check out her stuff. She'll blow you away. She's Air, she's Air Force. Uh, prior Air Force, and she's a single mom, and she runs this website uh, design business, and she's just amazing. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, Randy Rincones kind of helps me uh, manage all that. And then uh, last but not least, uh, got to talk to about my special projects team. I've got Leslie Coffey, who is my mill spouse uh, coordinator, and Grant, uh, Matthew May for our suicide prevention and intervention team, and Lakedra Houston. Uh, who works for uh, on our military sexual trauma, 
And then Brian Shu is the secretary of the whole organization, so he's mm. my other officer. So that mm. that makes up my uh, my core team. We do have a couple mentors that I have to mention that they're not in the tier leadership roles, but they are by far major leaders. And uh, Bruce Thompson, all right, who is so powerful in the veteran community, veteran space. Mm. And if you're on, if you're not on Betterati. Uh, which is a mentorship app for veterans, and you don't pick up the phone and, and, and get on that app for Veterati and connect with Bruce Thompson and Destiny Preet, um, both of them with Vets Industry. They are the number three and four um, members of Vets, uh, on Veterati, mm. um, the top 10 list. They're number three and number four for most calls. They have Bruce is over 200, and uh, he just had over 300. Destiny's like 250 calls in, um, so you gotta you gotta hit these people up. The mm. amount of knowledge they have, um, Eric, the transition hacker Horton, phenomenal individual as well. I mean, we just, I, I got so many. I don't know how to how to shrink it. Well, let's shift gears. Okay. So I want to I want to dive into a little bit more about your transition and kind of some of your background as well as your military service. So let's talk about your transition for a minute. Okay. If you had to pick a couple of things, a couple of big learnings, eureka moments, things that especially others could benefit from what you learned firsthand, what would that be? Um, so first and foremost is you have to get a mentor, all right, um, because the only way that you're going to learn about what it is you need, what your what your passion is. Uh, is through a mentor. Um, there's a, quite a few ways of getting that. Um, you're going to get ones that are assigned to you for a long period of time, and then you're going to get the ones that will help you with informational interviews, and there's a difference. So first and foremost, I want everybody who's listening to get on American Corporate Partners. Right? It is a phenomenal veteran service organization that pairs you up with a Fortune 500 company executive, something within your industry that you think that you want to do now, okay? Because what you think you want to do now is not necessarily what you're going to end up doing. But uh, you can choose, you know, if you want a male or a female, if you want somebody who's been in the military or hasn't, and there's pros and cons to that. Somebody who's been in the military has less industry experience, but they can speak your language and try to translate it. Somebody who hasn't been in the military probably can't translate your, your stuff as well, but they can give you a deeper knowledge about corporate culture and corporate language unless they've mentored quite a few people through ACP and then they probably could help you a lot with your civilian language too, or your military language and civilian language. Yeah, you're reading body language. I can tell security forces reading my body language there, uh, Ryan. So speaking of getting a mentor and uh, from my experience and from talking with a lot of other veterans around their transition, you know, commanders have different approaches, different leeways, depends on what your role is and, and what the squadron, you know, different dynamics. But if folks have leeway, uh, especially when they're still on or terminal leave or still on active duty, maybe moving into their last year. Is that when you advise to get a mentor as early as possible or what's your advice? Uh, there? Get a mentor today. If you're one year in the military, you know, what can happen if you, if you signed up for you know, a four-year tour? I know many of you out there have seen the people that were even in basic or, or you know, your training tech school or your AIT who – uh, had to get out because of medical issues or administrative or something like that. And they did, they were expecting to stay in 20 years or four years or eight years, and they didn't expect to get out. So if you start now with your transition journey, 
learning about the free resources out there, learning and getting a mentor for guidance, um, that's going to make you so much stronger. It's going to help you build your network. It's going to help you identify your positionality, like Shante, my friend Shante Hall likes to say, um, because that determines where you are in life and where where your your azimuth is shooting towards. Um, mm. Because where your azimuth is shooting towards is not necessarily where you want to go. Mm. Uh, and if you don't have the right tools to go there, you know it could it could shoot you to Mount Everest. Doesn't mean you have the tools to climb up there. Mm. So you're on that way, you, you might want to stop to a couple stores and get what you need <laughs> before you get to the destination you thought you wanted to be at. All right. So clearly getting a mentor as early as, as, as possible is a big one. What else really sticks out from your transition, your lessons learned? So um, you want to take advantage of programs out there like the DOD SkillBridge program. So if you're within six months of getting out, um, you're going to want to, uh, before your six months of getting out, you're going to want to research heavily the Department of Defense SkillBridge program. There's multiple organizations out there that will help you uh, with the paperwork necessary to do it and guiding you to find companies willing to assist you. Uh, Hiring Our Heroes Corporate Fellowship Program, you have uh, HireMilitaryShift.org, and then or you can find a company yourself to intern with. It allows you to intern with a company for up to six months, but I suggest only three to four. So if a company doesn't know that they want you after three to four months, you don't want to work for that company anyway. And this way you can double dip, meaning you can collect your money from your from the military at the same time you're collecting money from your, your new company at the same time uh, in your last three months or two months in the military while you're on your terminal leave. I also really expect everybody to get on LinkedIn as early as possible. Um, figure out your... With, when you figure out your why, um, you want to do something that I suggest, and it's find your five values. What five values are most important to you? And that's, for me, the five values that were most important to me was diversity and inclusion, integrity, eco-friendly, having a strong military connection and military hiring program and internal hiring program or internal uh, military community. And uh, last was having a strong relationship with the uh, employees, treating employees right, and their customers. And I found that in the company that uh, I work for now, which is Wells Fargo, which is a great transition story in itself, how I got there. But once you find those five values, then you look for companies that match that. And how do you do that? Uh, No matter what city you live in right now, if you get on your computer and you type in uh, into the, the search bar, Company headquarters in whatever city, whatever state, hit enter. You're going to get a long list of, of companies that you, some of them you've never even heard of before. And you take that list and then you go through each one of those companies and you read and you try to find where it has your five values at those companies. And that's how you dwindle down that list. So now you have location based on where you wanted to go and you have the uh, values in, that match up to yours. So you want to make sure you, they have at least four or five values. This is culture fit. So that's how you narrow down your culture fit along with location. Then you'll want to look at, okay, what kind of roles are there? And then that, then you look at what kind of pay. It totally dwindles down that list. Um, but you want to make sure you do that. Mm. So you want me to go into a little bit about my transition story? Yeah, please. All right. So... Uh, I started 
my real transition um, resources or use of resources after ACP. I started that about August of 2018. Uh, when I learned about ACP, it was from obviously Centauri Military Alliance and, and whatnot. Had a phenomenal mentor, Brian Ostrowski, who was the program manager or is for the Simply Brand at Coca-Cola. And he's just an amazing guy. We became so close friends. He never served in the military, but he was the son of a, of a veteran. And, and his grandfather was also a veteran. After getting him, uh, then December comes around, and I start with Hiring Our Heroes Corporate Fellowship Program in Atlanta under John Phillips, who is a phenomenal individual who wrote the book Boots to Loafers. That's right. Not, yep. And Deeds Not Words is one of okay. his mantras, which I love. Mr. Phillips, which he, I guess he retired as a lieutenant colonel from yep. the Army, I believe. Yep, correct. Good people. All right, keep going. Yep, and he, he looks like Chuck Norris, by the way. <laughs> uh, John, that's for you, buddy. Uh, and I got a haircut. He told me that the other day. He said, Brian, you need a haircut. I got a haircut. <laughs> well, you know, he's got, uh, I'm not going to get it right, but he's got a new role yep. with the Department of the Army. Where, uh, Civilian aid to the Secretary of the Army. I don't know if it's Secretary of Army in Georgia or something like that, but it's, yeah, it's something really, really cool. So, yeah, proud of you, John. Uh, I, I started using the, the Hiring Heroes Core Fellowship Program, and through that, I learned what a consultant was. I had never heard of a consultant, and what I wanted to do was be a marketing manager. And John, <laughs> God bless his soul, he, he said, Brian, you can't be a marketing manager. And I said, oh, yes, I can. I have a master's in marketing. Uh, or I have a master's in management, and I like marketing because I took a class of it in my master's. And he said, no, Brian, you can't be, you can't be a, a marketing manager. I said, yes, I can. You know, watch. And so I was really hoping that Coca-Cola was going to come to our cohort because they were <laughs> at the cohort before us, and they hired somebody out of his class. And unfortunately, they didn't come to our class. So I was so bummed, and, like, nobody was looking for a marketing guy. Uh, in my class. And remember, I was a military cop. So, you know, nobody, you know, the only thing I knew I didn't want to do was be a cop. And right. at that time, Google came out with their MOS translator. I don't know if you remember this, 2018. They tried it, right? They tried it out. So, oh, we, we support the military one with Google MOS translator. And what the Google MOS translator told me I could do with all my degrees, with my 20 years of military experience, with my 17 years of leadership, with my eight years of communication, five years of instructing was I could be a security guard, a prison guard, or a cop. So was that, that was, I mean, was that, that was the, was that the experience other folks had? A lot of other folks had with that. I remember when that came out, I, you know, it was long after my transition. Was that kind of how it worked out for a lot of folks? Yep. Uh, all it did was was tell you what your job was in the military. And well, that, if that doesn't illustrate the gap between yeah. you know veterans and have and and and, and the challenge they had to share all their responsibilities and, and roles and duties, you not you name it, with civilians, Google even has a hard enough time. Holy cow, you know? Yeah. So I mean, like you know, uh, ask Google for help, and they they spell help like no, I, I need help. H E L P. No, you don't understand. I, you know, you more than that. So, so how how did you finally? I, I believe Wells is a very veteran friendly. Uh, you and I have a, um, I'm sure a joint colleague, Patrick Haddock, 
that's yeah. part of the Wells team, and and they are great supporters of the community. So how how did you finally get connected with with the right culture and the right organization, all that good stuff? Yeah, so that's funny. So um, I have I've ha- I had my five values right, and I learned what a consultant was um, through the Higher Heroes Public Fellowship Program, and then I went to Four Block at the same time that I was doing uh, Higher Heroes. Now Four Block is a phenomenal nationwide nonprofit. Roger Rowley owns the Southeast region. He is the best individual, jolly old man. I love him uh, to death. And uh, he's like another father to me, another one of my mentors. And uh, he said the same thing John did. I wanted to be a marketing manager, but I learned what a consultant was. So it was pretty cool. He said, Brian, you can't be a marketing manager. I said, yes, I can. And why does everyone keep telling me I can't be a marketing manager? I have a master's in management and I, I like marketing. And he said, no, Brian, you can be a marketing analyst. I said, well, what's a marketing analyst? He said, go look it up. I said, okay. So I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and I said, no, I can't be a marketing analyst. They make $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I got six kids. I got a wife at home. I don't know if I'm going to get a disability. I, I, I was dumb and I, uh, when I was an E6, I took the career uh, reserve bonus for you know $30,000, which ended up at 22500 And for all those E6s out there that know what I'm talking about, Mm. Uh, I feel your pain, so I'm at 40% for the rest of my life at retirement. Uh, so I didn't know, you know, what what I could do, but I was like, I was like, no, I'm not coming in at that. I have to come in as a marketing manager. I'm coming in at that pay. I'm coming in at like 70,000, 80,000. He said, no, 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 you're not. You're coming in at marketing analyst. I said, he's like, you have no experience as a, a marketing guy. It's like, sure I do. I was on the top three. I did advertising campaigns. You know, I, I, I got people to come to events and stuff. I said, Brian, you don't know anything about analytics. You don't know anything about the tools that are used. Like, you can't speak the language. Like, you're not coming in. And so it was a really, it was a kick in the butt that I needed. And I, my, I did my job market analysis. So I, I said, okay, I'll become a consultant. I had a great informational interview uh, with a guy by the name of Bombadel, uh, OND. He's with KPMG. And Bombadel, maybe he's a, he's a reservist. He made me understand that while we're in the military, we actually are consultants, but we just don't know it. Uh, and for eight years, I was on the wing inspection teams consulting and learning and using the DMAIC process of divi- defining, measuring, analyzing, improving, and, and controlling um, by doing what we do every day and finding a problem and fixing it and then, or you know, giving somebody an idea to fix something. That's DMAIC. We do it every day in our, in our office buildings or when we go to other units and help them out. And then I had a mentor um, throughout this year named Justin Pearson. So I don't know how many people out there know Justin Pearson, but Justin Pearson is a, is a big known name uh, in this space, both the Wells Fargo and the veteran community. And Justin had originally worked for um, Victory, uh, which would work with GI Jobs. But he had, in February, and remember this is when I'm in Fort Block, February 2019, he gets a job with Wells Fargo on their recruitment team as a military sourcer. And Justin was my mentor and just said, hey, why don't you uh, come, come work for Wells Fargo? And I said, I don't want to be a teller. And he starts cracking up. Uh, he's, he's busting up. And he's, I said, what? He's like, no, man, not a teller. We have consultants. I said, you do? He's like, yeah. And then, you know, later on, you know, I'm thinking about it. And if I say to you, what's the first thing you think about with UPS? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you're a supply guy, but the first thing that you think about with UPS, 
What's the first the, the brown trucks and the drivers, right? I mean, it's legendary. Yeah, you, you, you think about, you know, a big burly guy with short brown shorts on delivering a package to your door, you know, or to an office building. You know, you don't think about the aircraft mechanic on a UPS plane or the pilot or the IT guys that are in the background or the people fixing the conveyor belts and all that stuff. I was blinded by just seeing the, the front the front facing, the customer facing mm -hmm. stuff. And so all I could think about with what Wells Fargo with the stagecoach was 1860s bank robberies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That's what I think about. Stagecoaches. <laughs> yeah, because Wells Fargo is a stagecoach. That's, yeah. that's their logo. Yeah. And then I started researching Wells Fargo. And I'm like, yo, they got all five of my values. And I never would have worked for a bank. I had no financial services background. Like, why would a bank hire me? Like, that's, I'm a cop. You know, why would they hire me? And how the heck would I translate my skills? And then the coolest thing happened, I learned that the Pony Express rode for Wells Fargo. And that's what did it for me. My nine-year-old's internal self. When I was a kid, <laughs> and I'm sorry if I lose power because there's a storm over okay. me. But my nine-year-old internal self was like, I have to work for the company that the Pony Express worked for. Mm. <laughs> and so of all things that got me to want to work for Wells Fargo, it was that and, and the fact that it matched up all my five values. And, uh, Who would have thought that the Pony Express continues to be the gift that keeps on giving? You know, that, that, is, that is awesome. Um, yeah. All right. So lots of stuff, a ton of, of takeaway there that I think a lot of other folks can learn from when it comes to transitioning. And for that matter, I think a lot of folks that aren't veterans uh, that are graduating from college, I think there's some takeaways in what you shared there, especially about not making assumptions. I'm based on a little yeah. bit, you know, that we all have plenty. I've got swaths and swaths of things that I just don't know that I don't know. And all of us have some degree of that. So I really appreciate that that component. So let's shift gears. We want to cover two, two buckets of your story uh, before we, we kind of move to wrap. And one of those, I think I want to reverse. Let's talk okay. about your military first, and then let's wrap up with kind of like your roots and where you're from and stuff. So with okay. your military, right, we, um, 20 years, one month, 12 days, what, you know, when you think back, first off, explain a little bit more about your role in the military. I know it's security forces, but for some folks that may be completely oblivious, in a nutshell, what would you do? All right, so my, when I first got in the military, I came in as a uh, security forces specialist, which is just a fancy word for a military cop. Um, so the same as like if the Navy's master arms or the Army military police MP. All right, so I uh, started off as a gate guard and security guard out on the flight line. You know, so we have you know, Air Force Base. What do the cops guard? They, they guard the flight line, all the planes, and make sure people don't go out there. And this is, this is back in 1999, folks. So, you know, f phones were, were still humongous, uh, things like that. You know, they were they weren't quite this big, but they were, they, were, they were still pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, like, no, not everybody had them. You know? Right. That's true. So I actually have a funny story about that. With, with that, there was a special unit that security forces had. And it's called Security Forces Raven. Now, I only expected to come in for four years. And it kind of, kind of goes into why I joined the military, which kind of goes into my other story. Um, but uh, I joined the Raven program, kind of spur of the moment, took the test on a Thursday, 
and ended up uh, in the class on a Friday taking the, the PT test for it and made it through. Uh, very, very difficult with a 50% washout rate uh, for the course. And I was beasted. And what that is, what the Ravens do is they provide security uh, downrange uh, in austere locations where there's no security or security has been deemed inadequate by the Department of Defense. And we go and we fly security for those aircraft. Um, so we can be in China one day and two days later be down in Paraguay uh, providing security. Then a couple of days later be in Djibouti or in uh, you know Egypt, whatever, and just be hopping around the world, dropping off supplies and people personnel uh, or people um, property and and other things that can and cannot be named so uh, you know it's pretty uh, pretty awesome uh, I got to travel I've been in 90 countries five of the seven continents uh, three humanitarian missions uh, including uh, Haiti one thing that uh, I guess my most beloved the, the most beloved thing that I uh, achieved or, or received uh, in the military is the humanitarian medal mm. and I got that for actions down in Haiti mm. um, if you've never been on a humanitarian mission like a true humanitarian mission where people are running for their lives you, you'll you'll never know how much that medal means to somebody mm. um, so it's a yeah, it's, it's pretty profound amazing. experience right up there yeah big part big uh, and it sounds like you still have some some big memories and takeaway from your time in Haiti. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Utapau, Thailand during the tsunami in 2004. I was over at Utapau, Thailand for 45 days uh, doing CIA-130 missions in and out of uh, Sri Lanka and Indonesia and Malaysia, uh, of course, Thailand. Uh, it was just uh, amazing, you know, getting to see you know, the, all the destruction and then people leaving with just nothing i mean the sandals or one sandal you know and you know the buddhist monks coming onto a plane for the first time they've never seen one before mm. and they have no idea how you put the seatbelts on so we're using sign language arm and hand signals to try to teach them how to board a plane mm. um it's, it's you know some amazing things that you see mm. so um i grew part of this is you know i grew up in a, a very diverse community uh, I'm biracial. My dad's black. My mom's white. Um, they were uh, they came together during the days of segregation, and uh, they had to deal with a lot of a lot of that issues. Um, and you know, I was fortunate that my dad started working at the United Nations, and so I was privileged to be around a lot of people of different races, ethnicities, religious backgrounds, and I got to travel. I went to four different countries by the time I was 10 years old. Wow. Yeah, so I was able to really build up a cross-cultural sense when I was younger. Um, got to go to you know, Sayers and um, Baptist churches and just all over, um, you know, high-faith events. And it, was just, it was great to be able to explore the difference of humanity. It was always taught about the equality of men and women and, uh, and humanity. Uh, and then growing up, a lot of those same qualities and social teachings mm. really helped me while I was in the military, especially on those Raven missions, because we're, we're landing in places where they've never seen much less a plane. They've never seen, you know, somebody that looked like me, right? 
and they weren't really sure what I looked like because <laughs> there's not a lot of guys that look like a Puerto Rican getting off a plane, and I'm not even Puerto Rican, you know. So, you know, like, what is he? Is he Egyptian? Because I could I could pass as Egyptian when we went to Egypt, you know, and Somalia I could pass, you know. But it was like in other places, like you know, when we went to South America, I I, I would pass as you know Spanish. And people would come up to me speaking Spanish. Like, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so it's, it was very cool to be able to communicate, even if I couldn't communicate in their language yep. and not get frustrated. To visit all those countries you did before 10 is, is a huge, that offers perspective most folks don't have, at least a lot of folks that I grew up with maybe. And then by extension to visit, did you say 90 countries when you were in the Air Force? 90, 90, five continents. I I missed Australia and Antarctica. To have that level of, you know, like, as you put it, to be able to explore and experience those different cultures and communities and, and customs and languages that the food, the people, I mean, what a huge, so no wonder going back to your teaser on the front end, and I won't say anything more because I don't know anymore than what you shared where you've got a map of the globe featuring the whole world and, and what all the potential there to help even more people. So let's talk about one more thing about one other component of your military service. And then uh, let's talk more about you, the people you work that you served with. And, and there's, there's no shortage here when you serve as long as you did. But when you look back, uh, a couple of folks either that worked for you or that you worked side by side, or maybe you reported to, who are those, those folks that made you better? Yeah, too easy. So first um, I need to, need to really shout out and she's still in my life which i really appreciate but she really turned me into the man i am today she was my second supervisor dawn roby sergeant roby and um she actually happens to we reconnected about a uh, year and a half ago out of the blue it was great i found her found her on linkedin and talk about the toughest female uh, that you ever could meet like talk about gi jane right but she's like the black gi jane right she's awesome and she would smoke all of us in pt like she was she was like mama bear but she would crush our souls i love it uh, crush our souls and um she uh she she would always you know keep us young airmen in check you know us baby pups and uh i i gained all of my professionalism, all of my what's right and what's wrong really from her. I was a spoiled brat coming in the military and tech school uh, really changed me, but then really Dawn Roby, she, uh, she turned me into a man. Mm. Um, that's 100%. I, I wouldn't be who and what I am today uh, without her. You yeah. connected with her a couple of years back. What does she do now? So she's a HR professional, but she's actually out of work right now. She's looking for opportunities. Mm. She's up in Rhode Island, um, but she's looking at moving back down to Atlanta, Atlanta area. Awesome. So I would love to uh, find her, her next great opportunity. And I, I, I back her 100%. So mm. I would leave my job if it would give her a job before mm. anything. Wow. That's powerful testimony yeah. there. What, anyone else come to mind that really uh, made a huge mark on you? Yeah, so I have two officers, uh, well, really three, but I know it's time limited. So uh, two officers that really made a, a big uh, impact on me. It's hard to pick, but um, mm. Scott Foley was huge uh, for me. He was my security forces commander at Lackland Air Force Base. Um, talk about 
a servant leader who really loved the troops so much. I mean, he did everything with us mm. and, you know, he would, he would, his conviction, his integrity just was beyond words. He's the best commander I've ever worked under before mm. in wow. my 20 years, hands down. Um, matter of fact, I, I just asked him last month if he would consider to be on my board of best industry. So he's, he's considering, he has a lot of things on his plate, but he's considering it. So that's like, like people that I'm actually trying to bring into my organization. Uh, you know, that, that's two of my people from the past, Don Roby mm. and, and Scott Foley. Uh, he's mm. he retired as a Lieutenant Colonel. And, All right. Uh, so Colonel Foley, no pressure, but <laughs> Hey, <laughs> yeah, pretty much like, uh, so I'm throwing him under the bridge here now. And, <laughs> Um, the third is somebody who uh, I actually am working on trying to get him hired uh, for a role here in Atlanta, but I can't say with which which company right now, but mm -hmm. I think we got him. Uh, it's, it's a very big, big name company, a very senior position, but Major General Robert Labruda. Uh, he was the base commander at Joint Base Lackland Air, or Lackland Air Force Base Lackland uh, Randolph. Um, and he was this talk about energy. You, you all think I have energy. This man would run from one base to another to do like multiple calls, commander calls, and then do like a couple award ceremonies and then still go home and you know, still go to his office, knock out some stuff. And then, you know, be at like 12 o'clock in the morning and do post checks, you know, and stuff like this guy never slept and he just he was helping the troops. And he was, he was a, a brigadier general at the time. Like wh who does that? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and he's just an amazing man, but he's uh if he gets this, this role that I'm hoping he gets, he'll be coming here to Atlanta. Mm. So I'm working on that channel to, to get him here. Outstanding. Special people. It sounds like, and we're only scratching the surface. Uh, yeah. I'd love to, maybe next time you come on, we'll have to dive into more stories behind uh, your interaction with each of these Dawn, Scott and Robert. All right. So let's switch gears here as we start to wrap up. Let's talk more about you and, and to our listeners, especially if you listen to all of our other podcasts, uh, we got some great feedback from Brian to kind of reverse how we typically do things. And Brian, I think it's worked I, I, that vets to industry, just like you said, that gets your juices going, especially the the purposeful impact you're making on so many folks and making their their life easier. Um, all right, so let's talk about you. Uh, I know you love to talk about everyone else. Uh, that that's that's the heart of a servant leader. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about because uh, I think you are now. Where do you live now? I, I live in Dallas, Georgia, which is about forty minutes west of Atlanta. But that's not you are not from there, right? Where where did you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Mount Kisco, New York, but uh, lived in Katona, New York, because the only hospital around Katona was Mount Kisco. Okay. Yeah, it was a small little hamlet. Matter of fact, you all know uh, Martha Stewart. She owns a house in Katona, New York. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Some highfalutin neighbors you were rubbing elbows with. Uh, well, that's where I, I grew up till I was 10. And then, well, I was nine. Then we moved to White Plains, New York, because my uh, grandparents, uh, my grandma passed away. She was the last. Um, so we, uh, we you know, got that, that house. And so I grew up in White Plains, New York, which 
is about a 40 minute train ride from New York City. Mm. So it's in Westchester County. So yeah. what was that White Plains, New York? What's it like growing up there? How, how long were you there? Uh, I was up there eight years or nine nine years before I enlisted. So, all right. So you were kind of already, you were, uh, what, in, in grade 10. school and high school, I yeah, guess? So I, I had turned 10 right after we moved there. So okay. summer of, uh, of 89 when I moved there. So when you when you look when you think back of your formative years, um, and everyone has a different definition of exactly what those are, when you think of some of your your most favorite memories, is it from your time growing up in, in White Plains? Yeah, White Plains is 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 it? That's 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 the beauty time. <laughs> so all right, so you got to give us uh, uh, your one of your favorite memories or two growing up in White Plains. Yeah, so you know. It's really about how I grew up because, uh, and I'll be honest, uh, growing up mixed, it's probably isn't what you, you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Mm. Uh, growing up mixed uh, in, in the 80s and early 90s, uh, it was hard because uh, I didn't belong to either group. Mm. Um, I would be asked a lot, like, what, you know, which one do you like better, your white side or your black side? Um, I was called, you know, monkey or Oreo or, you know, uh, coffee with cream, you know, mm. all sorts of things. And, but I was, I learned how to become a chameleon, uh, which has served me really good now because I can, you know, I, mean, I don't say manipulate, but I can, I can get into different groups and assimilate mm. very quickly. My vernacular can change very quickly depending on what environment I'm in and it, it became strong when I was very young because when I was in White Plains, I was living in a very affluent area, which was predominantly white. Um, and that's where I went home from school. Mm -hmm. And then you had the projects where my grandmother lived on my dad's side, which was on the other side of the town. Then when I would visit her, my vernacular, how I would walk, I mean, everything would change, hmm. you know, and you're talking about the hip hop days, 90s. Now, the thing is, I didn't understand hip hop when I was growing up because I didn't have any of that material to listen to. My dad listened to the blues and jazz and my mom listened to classical. Hmm. So, you know, the, the closest I got to, you know, hip hop was uh, when I was 14, I, I found the um, uh, Boys to Men. Yeah. It was the closest I got to hip hop, you know. And so, so, it, so the funny thing is I, I didn't know the words, you know, that they were talking about, you know, uh, and it, it, some circles I had to be quiet because I was trying to learn what they were saying so I could mm. try to pretend that I knew what was being said. Uh, and then when I go back and forth, like I would play with a lot of the kids from the projects during school um, at recess. And then when I went home, I would play with all my, you know, white friends. And there was only one other black kid in the whole neighborhood. Um, when we played football and basketball together, because it was a whole other side of the, of the area. So that, um, but they were my best friends. I'm still best friends with those kids in the, in, in the suburban neighborhood to this day. Like we still talk all the time, uh, which is awesome. We just don't get to see each other as much. Yeah, I mean, we could pick up the phone right now and say, hey, let's fly out there. And if I had the money, I'd just fly right up to – they're all in the same area in Westchester. They're all in the same area. Um, so given that background and, and some of the unique challenges you've described, and as we, as we fast forward into the current challenging environment where 
Um, I mean, we're, that we're all going through now in different waves. I, I've come to really embrace this phrase. I think it's um, we're in different boats. We're going through the same storm or something like that. I might, I might have it backwards. You, you know, how, how do you reflect back on, on how you, you were able to persevere through some I mean, I, I'm ashamed to hear some of those those experiences you just shared. What are some of your thoughts on what we're going through now? So it, it taught me to be a great mediator. I I was the one who would bring those groups together. So when the projects and the suburbs played games together at football after school, I was the one that organized it. I was the one that brought everyone together, and I still am doing that to this day. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's where my strength is. One of the things I like to say is that my superpower is social telekinesis. <laughs> but you know, kidding aside, when I, with mediator, I mean, you know, one of the one of the things that really seems to stand out to me is is there's not a healthy dialogue. And yeah. uh, Don Long put it great earlier this week when he talked about you know there are these polar opposites. There seems to be for some percentage of the population absolutely no middle ground. And so there's no communication. There's there's no empathy, and and frankly, there's a lot of hatred and and vitriol. And part of it seems to stem from the fact that folks aren't sitting down and taking the opportunity to kind of do, even though we're doing this remotely, to connect and learn from each other to some degree. So you didn't see. So two months ago, I did something called Voices of Hope, uh, where I did an actual whole networking event where people can just scream and cry and do whatever. I plan on doing another one uh, this summer. Actually, I was going to do one this uh, this August, but uh, just has, hasn't happened yet. But it was Voices of Hope. It was a town hall, had about 30 people in it, and it was the ability for everybody to come learn from each other, speak about anything that they were upset about or that they wanted to see change or just get their perceptions about race and about injustice or justice and and get that all out and a lot of people learned a lot from this event mm. um, so it is about bringing people together which is one of the strengths that i love because i can i can help bridge gaps because of the fact that i both black and white have that connection have that relationship and i can be able to feel what people are feeling and give a different perspective than they might have known. Like I had the talk. My dad gave me the talk that most people don't know what the talk is. Mm. Like I had to learn about what to do when the police stopped me before I even knew how to drive a car. You know, so and that's that's something that you know shouldn't happen. That that shouldn't exist. You know, um and so being able to be on that on that side and and, and, and relate. Um and then how you communicate. It's just like it's just like us in the military. How do you communicate your value proposition to civilian terms? Well, how do you communicate to somebody who's white and has you know, some privilege uh, and doesn't understand that that is a, a type of privilege to somebody you know that you know that's black or or how do you how do you communicate to somebody black that these they, that the white people don't hate them? You know that they don't understand why they they want reparations and things like that. Like how do you how you broach it and how do you help the people who don't know what to do with their hands right now? Mm-hmm. Like they don't know if they say something, they're going to get in trouble or not say something, they're going to get in trouble there because I understand their perspective too. Cause I've been in that situation too. Like I'm mixed and I'm scared to say something right now like mm-hmm. that. It, it happens. And you know, 
you know, my, my, my daughter said something the other day when I was pointing out um, pr uh, President Barack Obama and I was showing, you know, some the black people on my wall and she said, Daddy, you can't say black people. And I had to explain to her, you know, she's a quarter black and explain and, and say, no, it's, it's okay. So, no, you have to say African-American. And you're trying to explain to her, you know, yes, you know, we identify people in certain categories and no, that, that isn't necessarily right, but it's, it's how humans operate, have always operated, how, you know, as long as you don't treat that category in a negative light or a certain light, light you know, it's, it's, it's understanding how, how you're communicating, as long as it's not a negative connotation. Mm. Um, I didn't say connotation to her, but that's, that's the, you know, the, the play, the, the, the impact. That right. Work. That makes sense to me. And I, I hate, I hate some of these conversations we have to have. And, and, and some of these conversations that, that when I was growing up, my, my folks didn't have to have with me that, that clearly the talk that you referenced, I'm mean, that just, that, that breaks, it breaks your heart. It breaks my heart to hear that. Uh, and, and, and I've heard as I've, in my personal journey, I've tried to, you know, seek first to understand and be empathetic and put ourselves in other shoes because we don't have certain experiences. It's, it's back to that. You don't know what you don't know. And it is, um, you know, I, I hope, I hope that we, we've got a lot more of a lot more willingness to lean in and really have frank, transparent, even if they're going to be uncomfortable, even if they're going to be, you know, painful conversations, but just having them, we got to start somewhere after all these decades of, you know, uh, this, this tough journey we've been on. So I appreciate you sharing those experiences here. Um, I know that that's going to resonate with our audience and, you know, I, I, I really commend your, uh, you said voices of hope. Yep. The town hall I did, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to do them more often. It's just, it was hard to, I wanted to do it in July, yeah. but with the networking events and me starting school back up again, it was just too hard to get it on the, on the schedule, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to hit it up in September, do another one in September, and then I'm going to get it out. I'm going to make every effort to do that again, because it needs to happen again. Absolutely. And, and let us know, you know, we, we've, tried to have something similar. We, we had a great uh, panel, a frank panel, kind of the state of race and industry. You know, we kind of tackled it from a, as you might imagine, a supply chain standpoint, but had a, a wonderful, frank learning opportunity uh, with some of our network colleagues. So with all that said, uh, Brian, what a, an incredible conversation here today. What an extraordinary journey that you're on, and there's so much more left to it to come. And I know you couldn't let all you know, the cat out of the bag today, but we, we look forward to staying in touch yeah. and having you back on to, to update us soon. So how can folks connect with you and with Vets2 Industry? Yeah, so perfect. Um, the easiest way of connecting with me uh, is on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you go to my profile, uh, it should be www.linkedin uh, slash in uh, slash Brian Arrington 933. Mm. Uh, if you uh, connect with me on there. Um, just realize I get like hundreds of notifications a day uh, <laughs> and I, I try to answer every single one. Um, but if you reach out to me and you're at the you know, end up at the bottom of the list because of so many people reaching out, I do it by top down. I will get to you. Uh, apologize. And if you want to reach out to Vets to Industry, please send an email to support at vets2industry.com. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to plug our September 12th event. Uh, it's going to be sponsored by Spectrum Cable. 
Um, there's going to be, it's going to be in memory of September 11th and all those who died based uh, because of the terrorist attacks. And it's going to be in honor of all of those who've fallen uh, due to the global war on terrorism. Uh, we're going to have a very military themed and actually General Bob Robert Labruda is going to be our keynote speaker for that event. Mm. Uh, so you don't want to miss it. Admire what you're doing and we'll, we'll try to make those links very easy for folks to, to connect and, and participate, learn more information, you name it, and really admire your deeds, not words approach yeah. to leadership because that's what it's about. Whether you're doing veterans things and helping that, that community or driving change in some of these other areas that has to happen when it comes to our, our racial relations and, and, and the heavy lifting that clearly we still have to do there and plenty other aspects of society. So really appreciate and admire your leadership. Brian Arrington, founder and president of Vets to Industry. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. So to our audience, holy cow, that 90 minutes or so will you know, really left a mark with me and I admire so much. And it really appreciate the opportunity to hear Brian's story and his calling and his mission and the resources that Vets to Industry is offering our veteran community. So uh, on a much lighter note, behalf on behalf of our entire Veteran Voices team, we encourage you to connect with us. If you like what you heard today, be sure to find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And hey, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're, you're a veteran with a, a story to tell, reach out and we'll see if we can't get you booked on a future episode. So on, on behalf of everything else, our team, Scott Luton here, wishing our audience nothing but the best. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. You got all the reason in the world. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.